Amen, amen. It is weird. It's been almost three months since I've preached in front of anybody except for a camera and Daniel Murray. So it is uh, exciting. Not that Daniel Murray, I don't know why I called you Daniel, but not that Dan isn't exciting to preach in front of. But it's hard to preach in front of somebody that's sitting back in the back playing video games. And you know that, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am excited to be here. And I know it's a small crowd. We have our volunteers that are going to be helping us for the next uh, several weeks and serving as ushers and greeters and nursery workers and so on here with us this morning. But uh, I'm excited for what God's doing. I'm excited to be able to be back together, though it is different and we understand that. Um, I am looking forward to what God has for us as we continue to press forward. We have looked over the last several weeks in the series, Why Pray? Exploring Strength in Prayer. We've looked at several things. We've looked at knowing God, and the very first week was that we would have knowledge and understanding. If you recall, I spoke specifically on knowing the Word of God, that we would intimately desire and seek after the, the face of God, seek after knowledge, that we would know God in a more intimate manner. And we talked about that. We, we hit on those things, and I asked a question, and I said, are we praying for that knowledge and wisdom and understanding for others. I think sometimes inside of that, God, would you give me knowledge? Would you help me know you better? But I challenged on that particular day to say, are you praying for your spouse, your children, your neighbors, other people in the church and so on, that they would know God in a greater manner? We looked at that uh, at wisdom. We looked at Solomon and how Solomon prayed and asked God to give him wisdom to lead the people that he was leading. James said, and we looked at this passage, if you lack wisdom, to ask. So we've looked at knowledge and wisdom and the goal and the thought is that as we individually, as we know God individually and as we are seeking after the face of God as individuals, as a body, as a church, that we collectively would be united. And so last week I, I poured my heart out and prayed and that, that we would pray that we would seek God united as a church through the book of Acts. We looked at Acts chapter 12. And today, I believe as we know God and as we are uh, truly understanding God and gaining that wisdom and understanding, I believe in that, that we will also have a desire and a burning desire in our heart to see men come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Because how can I, how can I know God more how can I have a more intimate relationship with God, but yet watch my neighbor not know Christ and I not care? That cannot happen. Those two things do not happen. John Knox said it this way, give me Scotland or I die. And that he was praying for the soul of man. George Whitfield, oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul, he said. Henry Martin said, mourn, I mourn when I See others trapped in false religion and cry out, I cannot endure existence if Jesus is to be so dishonored. Some of those statements might be rather uh, harsh if you really want to stop and look at that. God, would you, would you allow, uh, would, would you give me souls? Would you allow me to see souls come to know you? Would we, you allow me to, to pour out and, and have that burden or just take my own? That's, that's harsh. 
Or I cannot endure existence if Jesus is to be dishonored. Does it bother you when Jesus is dishonored for the sake of the gospel? See, God has chosen us, you and I, in that he has pricked our hearts, I hope, for the lost. I would ask this question, do we fully understand what's at stake? Do we realize that it is life and death? Do we picture that it is heaven or hell, not for some people, but for all people? And I believe as we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, and the more that we seek after the face of God, the more that we know God, the more that we will then look at others with a burdened heart to say, but they need the gospel. If there's any time in our culture's history that we should be able to look out and go, man, people need Jesus is now. We can just just turn on the news right now, flip on your phone and watch the news and you will see sin at work. And we can see that every day and we can do that, but it's, it's not often that you see it in your backyard. In our country, the way that we are seeing it in our country. It's everywhere. People need Jesus. Richard Baxter is an English Puritan, and in the 17th century he said this, Oh, if you have the hearts of Christians or of men in you, let them yearn towards your poor, ignorant, ungodly neighbors. Alas, there is but a step betwixt them and death and hell. Many hundred diseases are waiting, ready to seize on them, and if they die unregenerate, they are lost forever. Have you hearts of rock? That cannot pity men, but in such a case as this. If you believe not the word of God and the danger of sinners, why are you Christians yourselves? If you do believe it, why do you not bestir yourself to the helping of others? I mean, what a convicting statement that that is. The word of God in the book of Ezekiel chapter 33 says this. In verse number 11, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? First Timothy chapter 2, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Second Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I come today in a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 10, and I as we look and all of these things, looking for that we would be praying for the soul of man. I read some of these passages of Scripture, and I read a couple things here in just a moment that are prayers for soul from Scripture. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, to open their eyes, I'm praying, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. 
Luke chapter 10, 19 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 9, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. 2 Timothy 2, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This morning we are going to continue, and this is our last sermon in this Why Pray series, and looking at the strength of truly seeking the soul of man. And the couple of questions that I'm looking at this morning is, one is this, are we prepared for the opportunity that may come from this prayer? Am I prepared for that? When I begin to pray, say as a church, as we pray for the soul of man to come to know Jesus Christ as, our Savior, as their personal Savior, here at Oasis, are we prepared for what that looks like? Are we prepared for 20 or 30 people to come to walk through the doors at Oasis and come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Are we prepared for that? Not to say, yay, that's really cool. But are we prepared to walk with them and hold their hand through discipleship? Are we prepared for what that means? And as we look at answering that question, we also ask this question, why do we pray for the salvation of man? It's easy. Maybe it would be what should we pray as we look at this, but as we look at Romans chapter 10, this morning I've got three simple thoughts that would go with this passage of scripture. Romans chapter 10, if you have your Bible with you, if not, uh, they will be on the screens or uh, there at home on the TV screen or your computer screen. Is anybody jealous of the folks that are at home still in their pajamas lounging in their bed? Anybody? (laughs) Some really wish that they could do that in this environment with other people. Um, that would be really awkward, and I'm glad that you aren't. But uh, Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses, Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I come to you this morning. 
And God, I pray that this passage of Scripture would tug upon our hearts, that God, you would continue to just reach into the hearts of man that sit here and that hear this passage of Scripture. And God, that we would uh, pray for souls to come to know you as Savior, that we would long to see people who are hurting, who are living a, a life of sin that do not understand and do not recognize that they need a Savior. God, would you, would you work in our hearts that we would be broken and burdened for souls? And God, would your Holy Spirit tug upon the hearts of those that do not know you as Savior? For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I have three simple thoughts this morning. And the joke has been, if you have been following anything online, uh, my sermons have been about 40 minutes. And everybody has made the comment about, can that happen when we go live? So the goal is to keep it about that time. And as we go into multiple services over the next few weeks, we'll be able to keep uh, those services down so that we're not here for the duration of the day. But uh, I'm going to do my best, so we'll see how that goes. See, it's in this time when people are in front of me that I can have this conversation. You know how weird that would be to say this to the camera? It's just one of those things. But anyway, we pray for the salvation of man, and this is what we're praying, that they would see their need. We pray for the salvation of man, that they would see their need. We look at this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 10, and what does Paul say? Paul says, uh, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is what? That they might be saved. If we do nothing else, if we stopped and never looked at anything else throughout this passage of Scripture, you would see the heart of Paul right here. His prayer, Paul's heart was that souls and people and men would come to know Christ as Savior. His praying conveys an idea of pleading. We've talked about that several times. His pleading and his entreaty, his begging of God, his persistent petition to God. He was not making a hopeless plea that he did not expect God to answer. Rather, he prayed because he fully believed that God could save all of Israel. No matter how unlikely the people of Israel could be saved, that was his prayer. Have you ever had that? Do you believe when I pray before God and I say, God, I have this person in my mind and I'm praying for that person. You might look in the mirror and you might look to yourself and you would say, I don't think that this will ever happen. But you genuinely believe with everything in you. Though it may be unlikely, you know and believe that God is a God who saves. Because God is the same God, if you're praying that, who saved you. Well, I'm not that bad. That's okay. You might not think that. But you know the person often that's like you or I who's not that bad is usually the one that goes, eh, I'm doing all right. See, Paul's prayer was, he didn't just pray it. He genuinely and truly believed the prayer. God, I'm begging you. God, I'm asking you. And I believe that you will reach those people. I believe that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Israel considered the Gentiles in need of salvation. They didn't look at themselves in that same manner. But yet Paul recognized this exact thing. One, because of where he came from. But also as he recognized that, he saw so many different things. See, it says in this passage that Paul recognized their zeal. 
They were a zealous people. They were zealous, and if you would have asked them, they were zealous for God. But their understanding of what that was was wrong. I've said this before, and I say it again inside of this point and right here. One must come to a place of understanding that they need a Savior in order to call out and cry out. How many times we've went by the swimming pool or you've been on a boat and you've seen a life raft or you've seen a this or uh, something, what, what are they called, a life ring that they throw out and you've looked at those, you kind of, ah, yeah, 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 whatever. Or how about the big, at the, at the swimming pool, the big huge hook you can just hook somebody with and you look at it and you think of something crazy like, ah, I'd love to just reach out and hit somebody or you love to, you know, you play with it. You realize we don't understand that until I need that item I'm going to do all of those things. I'm going to joke about it. We may even grab it and throw it out to somebody that's out there just being goofy. But until we need to be saved from drowning, it's kind of funny. See, until we recognize the need of salvation, it's, it's a different situation. My zeal of life, my zeal of God, my zeal, as Paul is saying, is, is completely different. Paul says they are zealous, but that it isn't according to God's word or God's plan of salvation. And who knew more than Paul? Philippians 3, 5 through 6, right? Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, Paul knew exactly where they were. And so he began to pray, God, they're zealous. God, I'm begging you that they would come to know you. God, would you reach into their heart? Would you allow them to see? He understood because that's who he was. He was as zealous as they are. But it wasn't according to knowledge. I would say the same today. There's many who are extremely religious there is many who are acting and doing things that they are living right. They are good, yet they do not know the Savior or even their need of the Savior. How many times you would ask somebody and they would say, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I think I'm okay because I'm doing these things. I, I, I'm a good person. I love my neighbor. I try to do good to my neighbors and I try to do this and I try to do that. They're zealous for the, the righteousness that they feel that they have. I believe inside of our churches is no different than that. There's many who are zealous to be in church, but they have no zeal of the true knowledge of God. God's word tells us that, for there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord, and he will look at them and say, I never knew you, depart from me. Those are the people that sit in our chairs. Because they're, they've never come to that place. See, the Jews had a certain degree of uh, or kind of knowledge and intellectual awareness of the outward demands of God's law, but they did not have the discerning spiritual knowledge that comes only from a saving relationship to God. They had the kind of superficial religious knowledge. First Corinthians 8 says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. There's many that have those things. Our prayer has to be that man would see their need of the Savior. 
You and I can't change that in them. I cannot change a person, but I can plead with God and beg with God that they would, that He would change them. I think of people that I know that I pray for. God, would you do this? God, would you change? And as the opportunity arise, would I say the things that you would have me to say? Would I be what I, would, I need to be for them? But God, you have to change them. You have to do this. So many believe it's by their deeds. Their actions shall they be justified. Romans 3 says it this way, though. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Despite the clear and unambiguous teaching of the Old Testament, Jews chose to establish their own standards of holiness and righteousness and thereby, there, thereby did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. They knew that Moses declared, Exodus chapter 15, Who is like unto thee, O Lord? Think about this. Among the gods, who is like thee, glorious in holiness? fearful in praise, doing wonders, but yet they would not submit themselves to that God. They would shout it, they would praise it, they would do all of those things, but yet they would not submit themselves to the same God that they say those things. This is a very simple, maybe first point this morning. But my question to you, is as we are praying and as I am, uh, we teach today and we, we, we look at these thoughts, I would ask this, are you praying specifically that God would show that individual, whomever it is, their need of a Savior? It's one thing to say, Father, I'm coming to you and my friend Joe just needs to know you as Savior. It's another thing to say, God, I'm coming to you today. And, and yes, Joe needs a Savior, but God, I'm coming and I'm begging you. God, would you allow Joe to recognize his sin? Would you allow Joe to recognize the fact that, yes, he's a good guy. And yes, he, he has this and he is, he's, he's, he's a good person. He has all of the things that people might want. But God, would you help him to understand that he needs you as his Savior? Maybe it's just a way in which we pray. The second thought is we pray for the salvation of man and we're praying that they would understand that righteousness is in faith, comes in faith. That righteousness is in faith. So many times we think that we're okay. Do we not? So many times I think that I'm okay. Romans, 3, or Romans chapter 9 says this, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There was a stumbling stone, and is it not so often? Their issue was their own law that they had placed in there. Because I will do all of these things. I will make sure that everybody sees all the outward deeds that I'm doing. And they've put all of those things in place. 
I was trying to explain some of this to a gentleman in my office just the other day, and I said, and I just kind of set this out. I, I don't know, whose are these Altoids? Those are yours, John, thank you. Um, I had, uh, I put something in the middle of my desk, and I said, here's, the law is this, do not touch it. And here's kind of what took place is, is they begin to not just say don't touch it, but then they would say, hey, don't touch it, but then uh, don't go within this distance of it. And then when somebody would get closer, they would say, oh, well, let me add another one. Now you can't touch it. Now you can't go within that distance, but now you can't step within 10 feet of it. And then they would add another one. Now you can't step within. Now you can't be in the room with it. Now you can't be within a mile of it. And they begin to add and add and add. Why? So that they would show how righteous that they were. That wasn't the law. They just began to go and go and go. Why? To prove how good they were so that their outward, their external deeds would do what? Look how good that I am. I'm not even close to that thing. But it was all of that that became their stumbling block. They were seeking not by faith, but their own righteousness. They were so arrogant and prideful that they looked past their own teachings of faith. And I'm not going to go through every one of these, but as we look in this passage for um, going down... Most of this is taking you back to their own laws. It's taking you back into the Old Testament. And it's, they looked past their own teachings... They looked past their own teachings, as was mentioned with this stumbling block. In Matthew, Jesus says, it isn't the healthy who need the physician, rather the sick. It isn't those who think they are okay. Again, that first point, we must pray that they understand their need, that they would then see the righteousness that it wasn't in their deeds and their actions. Rather, it was in the actions of Jesus Christ. They were ignorant of God's provision of salvation through Jesus Christ. And therefore they recognized in their heart. That they didn't need that faith. They didn't need it. It was through their actions. So many today do not understand. It is in and through faith. Not their actions in doing good. And we're praying that God would show them. That it isn't their righteousness. Rather it is. Faith in Him, in His righteousness. And I love how Paul takes it so often, and he takes them right back. We just went through Galatians as a church. And what did Paul do over and over in Galatians? He took them right back to their own teachings. He took them right back to their own understanding, the things that they knew, the things that they would just rattle off. And he'd take them right back there, and he would say, this is what this is, and this is exactly where it's at. We need to, it's, it's, it's one and the same it's one pointing to, but it's still the righteous, it's still faith. Abraham was saved by faith, not because of the works that he did, it was his faith. And Paul goes straight back to their own teachings to prove that they don't even fully understand and adhere to their own teaching, to their own law, reminding them what? If you are going to live this way according to the law, what does God's word say? If you want to live according to the law, you have to live according to the whole thing. Perfection. And they can't. Nobody can. And so as we look in this passage, we begin to see some of those things being taught. 
In God's sight, such righteousness is holy unrighteousness. Sorry, the, reminding them if they are going to uh, live this way, according to the law, you must keep it to perfection. In God's sight, such righteousness is holy unrighteousness and can never remove sin or earn divine favor. Just think about that. When I believe that I can do all of those things and earn that to God, that is unrighteous. It's unrighteousness. Sure, you may have obeyed outwardly. You may have been to church. You may have done the thing. You may have acted in such a manner. But it was an outward obedience, not a belief in their heart. He even says to them, even Moses has told you to receive the word in your heart. He told us that God's way of salvation was not uh, difficult and complicated, we do not have to go to heaven. If we look in this passage, six, uh, 6, 7, and 8, it talks about that. By the righteousness which is of faith, who shall ascend into heaven? Who shall descend into the earth? He's like, hey, it's not that difficult. You don't have to, uh, we don't have to do that. We don't have to go to heaven to find Christ or into the world of the, uh, of the dead. He is near to us. The gospel of Christ, the word of faith is available and accessible. The sinner need not perform difficult works in order to be saved. All he has to do is trust Christ. The very word on the lips of the righteous or religious Jews was the word of faith. The very law that they read and recited pointed to Christ. They just didn't believe it. Paul then says this. He comes out of verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in their mouth and in their heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And he comes into verses 9 and 10, a verse that, verses that many of us could quote. But as we look at this thought, we are praying that God would allow people to see their need. We are praying that God, that they would understand that righteousness is not in them. And then we are saying to them, listen, listen, this is all that it is. If only you would confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. We cry out, we plead, we beg that man would gain an understanding of their need and then they would see what that looks like in his righteousness, in and through our faith in him. It's that we would believe in our heart, that we would confess with our mouth. But so many people would say what? It just sounds too easy. It's too good to be true. And I would say yeah it probably does. It sounds easy. It's really good. It doesn't make sense that somebody like me can live and have done these things, but yet God would have sent his son to bring hope to me. But yet he wants me to say, God, it's not about my righteousness. It's me placing faith in what you have done. It's in your righteousness that I can be healed. It's in your righteousness that I can be saved. With the heart man believes and is granted righteousness. 
With the mouth he confesses and is granted that salvation. Paul has been saying to them that a false righteousness is on the law and is impossible for man to fulfill. True righteousness is in faith. It's in, it's in Jesus Christ. Only the one who is righteous before God is truly saved. We are righteous before God as we believe with our heart that God raised Him from the dead. And then we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus says, it says that we would be saved. Many acknowledge that Jesus is both the Son of God and Lord of the universe, but Paul is speaking of a deep personal abiding conviction that without any reservation or qualification that we would confess Jesus as Lord. It would be confession that Jesus is the believer's own sovereign ruling Lord in whom alone, He alone trusts for salvation. I... I'm looking out and I see faces and there's people that are watching and I'm sure many of you are going, well, I, I know all of this. I know what salvation is. I know what one has to do to gain salvation. But I'm asking you, would we pray that somebody would understand? Would we pray that God would change a heart, that they would see their need? Would we pray that God would change them to see that it's not about their righteousness, but rather it's in the righteousness of God and it's what God has done in sending His Son to live a perfect and sinless life and it's in His righteousness that is the only way that we have a hope of salvation. I wonder if we are burdened and if we remember that it was one day that we thought we were okay because of all the cool things that we had done and that we're an all right people. I wonder how many people sit in our churches that still think and they hear the same exact message and they go, oh, well, I'm okay because I remember there was one day I, I, I walked an aisle, I said a prayer, and there's never been a change inside of their heart. But yet outwardly they made a decision to tell people yeah, I got dunked in that water and finally that guy got off my back and he never said another word to me. I believe there's people that sit in our chairs, that sit in our churches, that they genuinely believe that that was a moment of change, yet there's nothing in their life that has changed them. Because they've never said, God, you are my Savior. You are everything. I surrender everything to you. That's personal, but I wonder how much we pray that for others. My last thought this morning is that I would be prepared for the opportunity. I wonder if we would be prepared for the opportunity that would come. Because here's really where it gets down. If you say the rubber meets the road in much of this, because what does it say in this next few verses of Scripture? We didn't read them initially. But in verse number, chapter number 10, it goes into verse 14. So in 13, for whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we will jump and shout and scream and yes, amen. But what does it say next? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher and you say what? Well, you're the preacher. Good job. Keep doing what you're doing. No. No. I have been called by God to do this which I am doing. But if you know Christ is your Savior, you are just as much of a preacher or a herald as anybody else. 
God did not say, for all shall come to know Christ, but shut their mouths except for the pastors. No. I wonder when the opportunity comes to us. I'm begging God that he would lead somebody to know Christ. I have somebody right now, I have an entire family on my mind. I have been begging God, God, would you lead them to know you? God, would you, would you help? But what a failure it would be if every time I see them, I don't point them to the Savior, and I don't take the opportunity to lead them to him. Well, you're the pastor, that's right, and I've preached this before, and you're the pastor in the setting that you are in. And that hurts. You might be the pastor in your home. You might be the pastor in your neighborhood. You might be the pastor in your workplace. Because everybody looks to you, the one guy that they know, the one gal that they know that's going to church on Sunday morning. They'll never know me, but you're the preacher. You're the one. You're the one. How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I'm asking you this morning, and I'm pleading with you, that one, we would be praying that people would understand their need of a Savior, that we would be praying that people would understand that it's not in their righteousness, rather it's in the righteousness of God, and then I pray this, and I wonder this, will I be prepared to be the one that is the herald? Will I be prepared to be the one that is the preacher? Will I be prepared See, it's not about just the pastor. It's not about the deacon. It's not about the staff. It's not about all of those things. It is you and I daily, every day, willing to accept the opportunity that's God, that God has placed right in front of us. A clear message giving an understanding of the truth. The Word of God. God called Abraham... And his descendants that the whole earth should be blessed. And then called his descendants Israel to be his witnesses before the whole earth. Uh, if we stop, what did God always do? He went to a person. That they would be the voice. You might be that person right where you're at. You might be that person. Paul quotes Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet He's not talking about our feet. Many of you in this room would say feet are disgusting. He's not talking about our feet. No, he's talking about what? He's talking about how beautiful that they would go, that they are doing the things, that they are bringing forth the word of God, that they are going to do the things that God has called for them to do. They are carrying us from place to place. It is a tragedy that not all who would hear would believe. There are many who will deny and reject the reality that they are lost and in need of a Savior. Yet our task doesn't change. 
my job, if you will, does not change, that I am still to pray, I'm still to seek after, I'm still to ask God to move in their heart, that God would do it, and that I would be available. Paul says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Salvation is only in faith and confession. That comes as God's word pierces one's heart to realize they are indeed unrighteous. And it is only through his righteousness that one can be saved. For many people this morning, whether you sit here or you're watching online, or you will listen later, you would understand all of these things. This isn't a service or a sermon that you've never heard before. You know the gospel. But I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, one, we should never get over the gospel. We should never get over the gospel. But I ask you, Am I praying, not just that, as I said it earlier, that Joe would come to know Christ, but am I praying that Joe would know Christ and that Joe would understand that he needs a Savior and that Joe would be broken with the reality that it's not the things that he does, rather it's in the things that God has done and provided for him. I wonder, I wonder, I ask you today, are you aware of your need of salvation? Do you understand that you are lost and need to be saved? That you are drowning, so to speak, and need that life ring to be thrown out to you in a spiritual sense? You have done everything that you can. But yet nothing is solving that deep heart issue that you're facing. Today I would ask you if you would cry out. Verses 9 and 10, I'll read this again. says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, and that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I would ask you, is there anybody today that you would say, I just need to cry out to God? Believer, I ask you this. Are you praying and are you prepared for the opportunity that is awaiting you as you seek Him? First, are you praying for the soul of man? And second, are you prepared to be the preacher that they need so that they can hear the Word of God? You do not have to have the degrees. You do not have to have all of the the things behind you. Listen, here's what you need. If you know Jesus, Christ is your Lord and Savior. The Word of God tells me that you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you that will give you the words to say when you do not know what to say. Here's what I need. I need the story that God has done for me. And that's what I need. But it's not eloquent. It doesn't need to be eloquent. When I got saved as a child, it wasn't because of eloquent speech. It was because God tugged in my heart and I recognized and I said, Hey, Mom, tell me about this. It's not eloquence. It's just being willing to share the story of how God has changed you with somebody else. Why would we pray for the salvation of man? We would pray that they might be saved. Today, As we close out, we'll go to a time of prayer. I ask you as a believer, 
Is your heart broken and burdened for souls? And are you prepared to be the preacher that is needed for the ones that are around you today? We just want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Oasis is supported by the gifts of faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the ministry and mission of Oasis, you can click the give link in the description of this video. It is also our desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, we've been encouraged to pray that they may be saved and that we should take this opportunity to share his word. So let's do that and be passionate followers of Christ.